Well, thank you very much for having me here tonight. Uh, can I, uh, uh, like uh, uh, Auntie Weldon, acknowledge the Gadigal people in whose lands we're meeting, uh, acknowledge any Indigenous people present tonight and commit myself as a member of the Albanese government to the implementation in full of the Uluru Statement from the Heart. I, I want to recognise two, former pra Premier Gladys Berejiklian, uh, David Gonski, Chairman of Everything, uh, <laughs> Peter, the, the remarkable Peter Shergold, um, and so many friends, social innovators. I mean, this really is a bit like the Oscars for altruists and social reformers. <laughs> Uh, it is a, a star-studded room and it's a real privilege to be with you. Uh, I'm not alas with you for very long. Uh, the Labor Party conference is on Brisbane tomorrow. The last flight to Brisbane leaves at 8.30. Uh, this seemed like a good idea until the Matildas were booked to <laughs> kick off at 8.30. It doesn't matter where you, who you talk to across the political spectrum. Almost everyone believes in a society where a child's outcomes are not predestined from birth. As Banjo Patterson wrote in his poem, Boots, they called us mad Australians. They couldn't understand how officers and men could fraternise. And that poem captures Australia's fundamentally egalitarian ideas. We prefer the word mate to the word sir. We're likely to think of ourselves more of, as country pub than country club. So how well does Australia live up to that idea? One way of answering that question is to look at how much parents' incomes affect those of their children, a measure known as the intergenerational elasticity. On that metric, Australia is more socially mobile than America, but less mobile than the Scandinavian countries. We do okay, but we could do better. And one of the ways we'll improve social mobility is by understanding the drivers of disadvantage and the pathways out of poverty. And that's where the Centre for Social Impact comes in. We're here tonight to pay tribute to the Centre for Social Impact for its research and education over 15 years. The Beatles may be the greatest musical collaboration of the 20th century, but the Centre for Social Impact has now lasted twice as long as the Fab Four. <laughs> Some of you may say it's been a long and winding road, but the Centre for Social Impact has built an impressive catalogue of research covering everything from mental health to cultural diversity and homelessness. It's built a reputation as a leader in social impact education. It's a credit to you that last year more than 2,400 students undertook social impact courses across your four partner universities, UNSW, University of Western Australia, Swinburne University of Technology and Flinders University. The 10-month Social Impact Leadership Australia program is highly regarded. With each intake, the program supports two dozen for-purpose CEOs to hone their leadership skills. Two cohorts of 24 have completed the program, and I'm told the third intake has just commenced. Many alumni, including CEOs of charities of all sizes and CEOs of peak bodies, describe the program as life-changing. The Centre can be proud of its many achievements, and I'd like to acknowledge particularly National Board Chair and Founding CEO Peter Shergold for his contribution. Back in 2008, then Deputy Prime Minister Julia Gillard addressed one of the Centre's first events. Julia said it was significant that, quote, Peter should choose to pursue this project of creating a centre which can bring together research, teaching and cross-sector partnerships 
to create positive social impact at the intersections between government, business and community life. And here we are 15 years later. Congratulations, Peter. One of the standouts for me has been the Centre's work in highlighting the importance of education in addressing social inequality. In the Centre's two-part Amplify Insights Educational Inequality Report, it said, equity in education matters because it improves the quality of life of individuals, supports social mobility and reduces public costs to society. Part one of the report identified key drivers of inequity, both inside and outside the educational settings for the selected demographic groups. Part two backed it up by focusing on the levers of change. Education Minister Jason Clare is passionate about improving opportunities for children from disadvantaged backgrounds. As he often notes, children from poorer families are less likely to go to preschool, less likely to finish high school, less likely to go on to university. Treasury research highlights the power of education to support social mobility. It's found second-generation Australians often experience striking upward social mobility, largely explained by their educational aspirations and attainment. Just one little example. Vietnamese Australians had fathers with an average income rank at the 29th percentile, but themselves were at the 54th percentile. It's a huge jump in just the space of one generation. And by understanding where mobility is working, we can help expand opportunities to more people. As a government, we're working to address social educational inequality, including through reviews into schooling, led by Lisa O'Brien, and into universities, led by Mary O'Kane. We also need rigorous evidence to give us an accurate picture of the impact or the lack of impact of programs. Now, I acknowledge the work that the Centre for Social Impact has done uh, on this area. But a long line of reviews and reports, including the independent review into COVID-19, co-authored by Professor Shergold, has called on government to lift its game and adopt better evaluation practices. We're doing that by establishing the Australian Centre for Evaluation within Treasury, which will carry out rigorous evaluations, particularly randomised trials, right across government. The Australian Centre for Evaluation will partner with government agencies to initiate a small number of evaluations each year. It'll work to improve evaluation capabilities, practices and culture across government. Ultimately, that'll save taxpayers money by identifying ineffective programs so we can improve them or end them. And we're keen to partner with states and territories and with universities. So please, if you see opportunities to run randomised trials, get in touch. The Centre for Social Impact has published the Australian Social Progress Indicator since two, Index since 2018. And I'd like to thank the Senate for sharing its insights by making a submission to the consultation on developing the government's new Measuring What Matters framework. Treasury received more than 160 submissions in its first round and 120 in the second round. It attracted strong interest because the framework helps us build on what we know from traditional economic measures. Measuring what matters isn't about ignoring economic growth, it's about broadening the conversation, ensuring we make progress towards a society that's healthy, secure, sustainable, cohesive and prosperous. 
And in some areas, there's a great deal to be done. Measures of community show that over recent decades, Australians have become less likely to join, volunteer, donate and participate. As the Assistant Minister for Charities, I'm working with the sector to build a stronger community sector and a more connected society. The Centre for Social Impact works closely with the charity sector, including through the Governance for Social Impact short course. The micro-credential supports charity non-executive directors to lift their gaze to govern for social impact. There's also the Partners in Recovery research series, uh, which worked with Social Ventures Australia to highlight the contribution charities make to Australian society. We know charities are under pressure. My job is to make their uh, task easier. We've been holding town halls to listen to charities. We're working with states and territories to harmonise charitable fundraising laws. As part of a commitment to double philanthropy by 2030, we've initiated a once-in-a-generation Productivity Commission inquiry into philanthropy. And we're collaborating with philanthropic partners through the Investment Dialogue for Australia's Children, enabling the government to coordinate efforts to tackle intergenerational disadvantage and direct funding where it's needed most. So in conclusion, the traditional gift for a 15th anniversary is crystal. Crystal symbolises lightness, clarity and durability. Like a good piece of crystal, the Centre for Social Impact has shone a light on important questions, provided clarity to Australians and produced durable policy proposals. Your work has aided the charity sector, educated policy leaders and provided fresh ideas to policymakers. It's informed policies on social connectedness and social mobility. It's no exaggeration to say the Centre for Social Impact has helped build a fairer society and a stronger economy. Congratulations on your 15th anniversary and all the best for the 15 years ahead.